Welcome to Paintbrush and Ivories, the podcast for artists and curious creatives that connects creativity with the heart and soul. I'm Michelle Walker, and I'm here today with my colleague, my artist friend, Michelle Luminato. Hi, Michelle. Hello. Great to be here. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Listeners, if you don't know Michelle, she's an American-born contemporary artist based in Melbourne, Australia. She's a co-host of the podcast Unearthing Art. She also guides other artists in finding their true voice to create and sell unique art from the heart through her artist membership, which I'm also a part of. So I just want to give that shout out. Welcome, Michelle. We're going to talk about the art business side of what we do. I really think that that's a a genius area that you've got. And part of this came up for me because when I've been doing coaching around money, a lot of artists struggle with the pricing and being able to get a return on their business and feel really in flow. So have you got any opening thoughts that you'd like to sort of lead off with? (laughs) So many thoughts, so many thoughts. I mean, I think that for one, we definitely have to debunk the myth that I mean, is there money in art? You know, is that a real thing? And I think for me, it's a definite yes, but I'd love to talk about that more because I think there's a lot of things that do block people along the way. And um, those are the things that I would love to discuss more about today. And I think one of the questions arises when people are making art that, that they feel that making money is all about how much they put on the price tag that's hanging from their artwork. I actually think it's a lot more about the artists themselves and what they think about money, return, income, their artwork, et cetera. What do you think about that premise? Yeah. I mean, I would love to hear more about what you think about it as well, because I think that you have a really unique perspective. I definitely feel like the artist you know, as a unique individual brings so much to the actual art itself and that people who are buying paintings are investing into that vision, which means they're really investing into you as an artist. But I think sometimes um, we might separate that process, but the more we can integrate it, I think it's, it's much more cohesive in terms of being able to raise your prices because it's not about just the size and the price. It's about you as an artist, what you put into it, what you believe is possible for yourself, you know, in terms of what you can put into your art and what your art is valued at. I know that's Mm. a big, long run on sentence, but that's what I think. (laughs) For me, this is interesting because we can take this conversation in about five directions. But one of the links that I want to make is one of the aspects of what you said ties into the episode I just did with Liz Ackley from the UK, a UK-based artist, where we were talking about identity. And I actually think this is the great work of us as artists. Yes, we learn technique. Yes, we you know learn to understand some of the business technique sides of things. But one of our biggest jobs, or maybe I'll make it my personal belief, one of my biggest jobs is to understand truly what makes me different and Mm -hmm. what makes my art different. And that is as much about painting technique, but it's also about lots of other things like even my meditation practice. But, you know, like for me, that's the whole person idea coming into it. So let's talk a bit more about the mindset piece because I know that's something you and I share a passion for. 
What have been some of the biggest learnings you've had in this area of having a really good, clear, strong mindset that helps you generate a really successful art business? I know this might be something that a lot of people don't want to hear. And I always feel like sometimes I rip the bandaid off for painful things, but I feel like mindset is 80% of the work Mm. and the doing of it just flows so much better when you can get that right. And I'm speaking from a hundred percent experience. When I was really doubting my abilities or doubting that my personal point of view mattered, you know, there was so much struggle around what came out in the studio and how that really transferred onto a potential collector as well. Um, and really, if you have any money blocks, you know, that might've come from upbringing, you know, unbeknownst to me as a kid, you don't even necessarily know that this is even part of your environment, but I grew up in a very average middle America experience I guess we were average, but in some cases, I think there was times where we were below average because my mom was a single mom at one point and we were on food stamps, you know, for a short time. And that was, those were rough days. And I remember the shift that happened in terms of what was available to us, you know, as kids. And I think that really gave me a limiting belief around some things that has stumped me and, you know, and even as an artist is something that I have to really be aware of, like, am I actually limiting myself? Am I blocking myself? So I think there's a lot of parts to it. One is the money part and the blocks around that, that potentially could be blocking us to really make work that is valuable and and we see worth in it, which means we can charge more and we value it more as an artist. The collector values it more. But then there's the whole thing of like, who am I? What am I all about? How comfortable can I be revealing my true self and all of that stuff? So that's what I mean about the, the mindset part for me is it's such a big piece. And I have definitely gone through lots of learning in that area and I'm a big believer in meditation and tapping. And so for me, that is a whole experience for my creative practice as well. So I can relate to that on many levels. Mm. Again, that was a long answer. (laughs) Loved it. So one of the aspects of your response that really resonates for me is when I've done mindset coaching around money, mostly for women, because I tend to attract women, underneath money issues is worth. Mm -hmm. And it's such a critical interaction and it's embedded into us by our society, which says our worth is demonstrated by how much money we can earn. Yeah. Income equals self-worth. Yeah. And if anyone's had rocky experiences, and I totally resonate with your reference to some of the things that happen in our childhood as being really significant, because that is the goldfish bowl we've been swimming in. We have no idea what color the water is or no idea what flavor the water is. So it is a really valuable thing to actually reflect on our money upbringing. How was it spoken about? How was it considered? What were the views about earning a wage? How hard did you have to work? You know, like there's all these kind of things. And then there's the thing of there's no money in art. Why are you doing that? (laughs) Absolutely. The perfect bit of advice some very kind hearted relative said to me. Exactly. When I was a youngster and I had a passion for nature and I had a passion for art. 
there's no money in art. So just pursue the science avenues of your interests. And I think that has been a storyline for a lot of people who perhaps come to their art later in life where they've pursued a career because they thought they've been responsible and it's all about, you know, you go to university, you get a degree that pumps you out as a certain thing, an accountant, a physiotherapist, whatever, and that gives you a career. So getting an education equals a career equals stable income. And art colleges, I don't know if they explore enough of the different avenues within which you can earn an income as a creative. I actually think there's a lot more we could do, but that's a whole other story. We we could have another whole topic on like, actually, how can art schools show artists how to make a living? But yeah, it's definitely a misconception. And I think that there is a lot of They don't mean to harm the people who say these things, but I think that there is a lot of harm. And I would say for me, lots of setbacks because of that, like lots of stuff that I had to overcome myself and reshift those beliefs so that I could allow that to happen. Um, Because for me, I always felt like it was destiny, you know, destiny Mm. to be an artist. Mm. So for me to not listen to that destiny, I would have been miserable. Like it would have just been like, what am I here for? Yeah. So what I think, what am yeah. I doing? What am, what am I, I doing? doing? What am I it's, doing with yeah, my life? What am I doing? It's, and I think that's why some of us get back to art later in life because we're like, okay, it's time to do what I want to do enough of this already. So, um, and then you kind of come back like, well, for me, I'm like, no, this is it. There is mm. no mm. plan B. This is, this is my thing. <laughs> I, I totally hear you. I have to share a little story with you because I think it goes to this conversation we're having about people trying to stop us from going into what they consider to be a risky career. And this great experience I had seeing the Blue Man Group in New York when I was over there for a conference. If you're listening and you've never heard of the Blue Man Group, please Google them on YouTube yes. and see them as performers. Michelle knows awesome. them. So we love them. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> the humor is fantastic. So here I am just down the road from MoMA, from the, you know, some of the best art galleries that I love from New York, seeing this performance and their opening scene, their opening skit is three guys. Obviously they're painted blue. You'll, you'll see that if you Google images of them. And one of the guys is doing a sort of a juggling act. So he's throwing marshmallows to performer number two. And to perform number three, he's chucking what I thought was water balloons full of paint. And the third guy's catching it and letting it splatter against a canvas. So the marshmallow guy's catching it in his mouth. The other guy's capturing this paint splattering. This goes on for about five or 10 minutes. And The guy that's doing the canvases catching the paint, every time he's done enough of the sort of paint swirly thing, he then puts a price tag on it and it just becomes this sort of humorous thing. And right at the end of this skit, the guy who's been catching, I think maybe 40 or 50 marshmallows in his mouth, it just seems an inordinate number because it seemed to go on forever. He then regurgitates the marshmallow mass onto (laughs) a canvas and with great hilarity from the audience, he then hangs a $10,000 price tag on it. And 
I like I was hurting myself laughing. (laughs) I have a creative, I was over in New York for a conference that was a creative business area that I work in. Yeah. So it just, it just poked every part of me with great humor. And such contrast after seeing MoMA and Guggenheim and all the great, all the greats, the Monets and the the Van Goghs, et cetera. And in a way, it actually speaks to part of our social norm commentary, which says it takes nothing to make great art and you can hang whatever price tag yeah, you like on yeah. it. And I think that's another part of the fear that people have when they're trying to expand themselves in their art practice and in their art business. And the fear about there's no money to be made in art is that they don't have the perhaps the chutzpah to yeah. actually hang a $10,000 price tag on their artwork that that's outrageous and I wonder what you think of that story like tell me what what's coming up for you I I just I giggle too because I can actually visualize the Blue Man Group doing that um they definitely were around when I was living in New York so I have fond memories of them so I can imagine that and just the the contrast of seeing art in the Museum of Modern Art, which is one of my favorite museums of all time. And I just think that it there is myths around that, that, you know, like for me, I'm an abstract painter. I always have been. I'm very drawn to basically non-representational work. And even my own myth about it, when I first started working with paint itself, I was like, oh, how hard can it be? I was literally saying that, like, how hard can it be, Michelle? I mean, just get your paints out and just do some stuff. Seven years later, I'm like, oh, I think I'm cracking it now. Yeah. And that, <laughs> you know, how frustrating was that realization of the how hard can it be to, oh, damn, yeah, this is actually yeah. really yeah. much harder than I thought. I can't produce yes. anything that I think is even worth uh, looking at. Yes. And I think there's two parts to that. One is there is a lot more skill involved in terms of understanding the material itself practicing, learning new things around color, mediums, paints, substrate, like there's just an endless amount of stuff to learn about that. And then there's the opening up the can of worms of what are you about? What do you care about? What will you invest so much energy into? Because the thing is art and anything that you actually care about, I don't believe this is exclusive to art. It takes work. And when it gets hard, you have to love it enough to keep going. And I think for me, luckily, you know, art is my thing. And I'm like, oh, I love it. But it was frustrating because I had these visions of what I wanted my art to be. And yet I was spitting out complete garbage, like Mm. for real. I've got Mm. proof. I've got photos of it. It's still in my studio in a box. Like, and I still spit out garbage. But I guess the point is that it is a process of really getting in there and being experimental, but exposing yourself as your truer self along the way. And that can take a bit of courage and practice beyond what I had imagined that I would be walking into, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I I share your experience of just producing stuff. And initially, I've got to say, some of it I thought was okay. Now I look back on it and I go, it's like, mop. <laughs> It's yeah, it does not. But it's just because you're you've raised your standard of what you're looking for out of your art, and I think that happens. And and that's the beautiful thing about art is you can raise your standard. You can keep evolving and growing and learning new skills. And and I don't necessarily think 
evolving is a bad thing. I think actually collectors look for us to evolve as well. And that's where back to the joke of like, you can actually start increasing your prices because there is real value in it. When you put, like when you see the value and you put your energy into it, and then the collector is responding to seeing that uniqueness come from you, that voice, that story that you're putting in paint, you know, or any, any form of art, whatever that is whatever expression. So we've talked about, obviously, we have to work on the skills that we have, the techniques, knowledge and experience that we have with our particular techniques that we like to use. But we've also talked about that only being part of it and wrapped around that or in the center of that is who we are and what we think about the world and what we think what's possible. So I know you've sent me this quote, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. I totally agree with that. I think let's come back to what comes from us in the business sense about whether or not we can make a go of this thing, which is our art practice. I think one of the biggest mistakes I've made and what I see frequently made is toe dipping, which is kind of like, Uh let me see if I can make a go of this. And you're like, you dip a toe and you're like, yeah, little lukewarm, not feeling it. Let me just pull that toe back out. And that's not the way it works. And again, I say this from my own experience, like when you can go all in, which feels very risky, very vulnerable, and you can go in and take those bigger risks and really go for it, that's when it really starts coming together. But Mm -hmm. to connect those dots, I think can be really challenging because again, it's the mindset part that has to let you free to really go all in. So I see that as a common mistake that many of us make. And one of my experiences, when I said I was all in, I sort of did dabbled on the side. So maybe that's my toe dipping experience while I ran my consulting business. But when I said I was all in, what I found interesting was that wasn't a problem for me. What was interesting was I actually resurfaced some of those insecurities and self-doubt which I had worked on extensively in my working as a consultant, a freelancer. I'd been running my own business for 16 years when I went to full-time art. So you'd think I wouldn't have to revisit stuff, but I did. Mm -hmm. And worthiness and value of what I was doing came back up again. And maybe that's appropriate because I was only six years part-time painting. So maybe I hadn't really got to a depth of certainty and a depth of experience of my own self as an artist yet. I think that's happened in the first two years of being full-time art. So I think that that was interesting. So even though I did business coaching, even though I'd specialized in money coaching, it came up for me again. It's one of those things that like, I'm not the one who originally said this, but I love to say this because I think it's such a beautiful new level, new devil, because Mm -hmm. it's just the thing that doesn't go away. And even if you look at any artist who appears to be successful, you know, out in the world, they're having their own little internal battles of whatever it is that's coming up for them. So absolutely. And I think what you said too, about, you know, really understanding who you were and really digging into that. And that's, again, sometimes we think we've got that all sorted out, but when you put yourself, which art is an expression of ourselves in your art and you allow yourself to be that vulnerable, 
oh, those little, I like to call monkeys on my back. Mm-hmm. Like they come up and they're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Not a good idea. So yeah, even if you think, oh yeah, this will be fine. It's always a little more complicated than it appears. Absolutely. And I think for me, when I decided to do this, the way that I decided to dive in deep to understand myself and my voice, because I know it's a really common thing. I experienced it myself talking to other artists, you know, what's my style? What's my creative voice? That is a question we often wrestle with in the early phases. And maybe when we decide to branch out and do something new, it comes back up again. But for me, I decided to approach that by going deep into my spiritual practice. Now, when I say spiritual practice, that's both meditation and also being in nature. That's what equals spiritual practice for me. And that was a godsend because that was the way I got to see myself and got to revisit some of my thinking and maybe got to see more deeply what matters to me and what did I want to talk about. So I'm finding that a really interesting avenue into the unique voice. And I think that's the part that I am so passionate about helping other artists do because I just believe that you know, we all have these little things that are special to us and your connection with nature is like so part of you. And I love that you call that your spiritual practice because for you, it really is this Mm. spiritual experience. And for you not to tap into that as your channel into that unique expressive voice as an artist, I think is a bit of a miss. And we all have these unique things. Like what I'm inspired by, I can assure you, people look at and say, I don't get it. Like it's because it's mine. It's my inspiration. So that's the beautiful thing is we're all unique. And the way that our art comes out is because we have these unique points of view, these unique lenses. And so we have to start learning how to honor those things that are unique to us. When in the past, we might've kind of dismissed them as ordinary, or we might've maybe overlooked them because it doesn't seem very special. But the thing that's funny is that the things that are ordinary to us are quite special to other people. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the irony. It's cool that way. So let's step back because I think as artists, there is a really unique part of what we do. And then wrapped around that, and this is one thing that I did import from my consulting life, is an understanding of how businesses work. And I think that this is a crucial part of the piece when we talk about mindset. If we Mm -hmm. want to be really confident and strong in our art, we also need to understand that all aspects of our art business are taken care of, are sorted, are thought through, that there's no black boxes where mystery happens, you know. And I think sometimes and this is just one specific example, that when people deal with money, they can also be really vague about what Mm -hmm. happens, how it happens, what they need to take care of. So I know that you bring a depth of experience from what I call corporate creative, and you brought a lot of important knowledge across from that part of your career. What is it that you think stands out for you that you would mention to artists who want to grow their art business strength and mindset, as well as their art practice? For me, I think the biggest shift that I want people to really start looking at is how to be more integrative with it, how to be more holistic with it. I think a lot of times artists 
And again, this is because we live in a contemporary world where we have Instagram and, you know, all these examples of seeing what other artists are doing out there. Instead of really listening to our internal self, what are we all about? How can we make art and how can we integrate a selling process that's holistic with who we already are? There's a lot of opposite happening, which is look to Instagram, see what's working, make more of that, see if we can sell that. And so it's kind of a separate idea doing that a little bit backwards, like, well, what's working? Let me make more of that as opposed to how about I just listen to myself, work on what my true voice is, and then integrate a process that allows me to share and sell that story. And that's what I really believe in. And that's really what I brought from corporate America, which sounds a little bit opposite. I think a lot of people think, you know, corporate is about like, oh, they just see what's selling and they make more and it's, but it's not like that. At least that's not my experience. My experience, it's much more grounded in corporate product creation is around being really grounded in their true identity of who they are as a company and what they believe in, and then making products that match the kind of people that they want to serve who are aligned with their same values, same beliefs, all that stuff. And so that's the perspective that I believe in and that I love sharing because I feel like for me, it's just a much more peaceful way of doing business and less stressful, less chasing your tail. And instead of being behind the market and always feeling like you're slashing prices because you're one of many selling the same thing, you can actually stand out a little bit more because you're becoming more unique and people can see that and they value that. And so for me, it's a win-win. So I, as funny as corporate seems like it would not fit with what I do, it's been a huge area that I'm so grateful for and that I just want to keep sharing more about because I think that it really is an under- an underlearned is that a right word? Underserviced area. Underserviced area. Absolutely. That we need to work on more. So I'm really happy to talk about that more. I love talking about that. Okay. So I know you've got this great way of opening into some of this knowledge, which is I make the art and I put it on Instagram and say it's for sale. So hands up those who've done that. Yes, we <laughs> um, all have. Yeah, and, you know, that's a bit of a rookie mistake to think that that, and that when I say that, I mean that with genuine love and affection because sometimes that does work. Yeah. Sometimes we do put something on Instagram and a friend or a colleague or someone who just follows says, I love that and it's a match. Mm-hmm. So it's not, don't say never, but yeah. It's not a really solid business approach. So talk to me about what are your thoughts about that gap for artists and what they can start to think about? The starting point is really figuring out, grounding yourself in like who you are as an artist. What are you all about? And then really work towards figuring out, and this is the part I think as artists, we do have challenges with in terms of we have to go through the process of figuring out what is it that we actually want to make? that we care enough about, that's sustainable, that we can then really lean into and discover what kind of collectors are in alignment with that same vision. And so for me, there's two parts. One is figuring out what you really want to make, you know, that you care about. And that means mediums, 
you know, could be anything could be, you know, your landscape, Michelle, and I do abstract, like there's things that very much are different about who we are as people. And then there's also, you know, the kind of mediums that we work with and all of that, then you put the side, like there's so many elements to the actual art itself, but also looking at who is going to really resonate with that mm-hmm. and matching a collector with that versus put it out there and go, anyone, anyone, yeah. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Yeah. So getting much clearer on what that actually looks like and connecting the dots between what you want to make and actually who wants to collect it as well. Mm. That's the short answer. <laughs> it's I no, I totally get it. And it's only been a very recent activity for me to get to the stage where I've started to think about, well, who is likely to want to collect my work? And mm-hmm. what came up for me was interesting. I actually managed to do that more easily by looking at a colleague of mine who does a totally different medium, but she appeals to the same kind of audience. Mm-hmm. And I could see her audience more clearly because I was part of her audience. But I could see that there was a lot of things that resonated for people who enjoyed her work that would also resonate Mm -hmm. with mine. And that thing of holding a mirror up sometimes can be the best way because looking at your own stuff can be quite difficult. It can be. be It can be. we're, We're so close to it. Yeah. And I found it one step removed became much more easy for me to depict what I saw as my ideal client, someone who is deeply connected to the environment, deeply committed to the environmental movements, you know, regularly goes bushwalking, birdwatching, is into photography of nature, you know, so I could kind of start to scribe out the Mm -hmm. kind of person that I thought would resonate with my work. And luckily I do have a lot of those type of people in my circle, but that's not enough. And I think that's also as I'm growing my business, I'm thinking about where else I can connect with those kind of folk. So what about your response to that as an initial take on who my audience might be or as an exercise for anyone doing this? Yeah. I mean, I think that that kind of exercise is one of those onions that we can peel and peel. The more I learn, the more I sell to them, the more I discover as well from mine. And I think, so there's many facets to that where those kind of exercises are good. And it's also good to revisit them and do them in different formats so that you can see it in a different way. Um, And yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I don't see how you can really have a sustainable business without going through these kind of exercises. And I'm a huge believer in doing those on a very deep level because I think it helps us get clarity. And not only does it help us get clarity, but it really helps us also visualize the kind of art that we would want to create. Like there's this synergy that happens, I think, with that experience where it's kind of like this two sparks collide and they make magic. You know, that's really what it's about for me when I think about that. Fantastic. And I wonder if just thinking through some of your community, how you've worked and guided artists at different levels, Mm -hmm. what would be one of your bits of advice for someone who's fairly new in their art practice and just starting out and trying to figure out, is there any money to make an art? Mm Mm-hmm. I think the biggest first step is really two parts. One is start really internally looking at what you love as opposed to always looking at the outside world of Instagram and what's popular. Really look at who you are and what you're all about. 
And I think the quicker you can get to that, the faster the result is, even though it looks like it might be easier to look to other artists like, oh, what's happening on Instagram? So that's my first piece of advice there because it'll shorten the curve. It doesn't sound like it will, but it will. And the second piece is really play, really play with your materials. Go in and make as many messes as possible and try to make them daily. I go into the studio with this approach is I want to make mistakes daily. I want to take risks so that I do fail. And when I say fail, it's just me learning from it and saying, oh, that didn't work out how I wanted, but maybe next time I can do it like this. Or it creates this magical thing that you couldn't even have planned and it works out. So the second part is just be really playful and be really committed to that playfulness and be really open to learning new ways of seeing every day. So that's a little long sentence Mm. of Mm. (laughs) tips. You've just touched on something which has become a personal mantra for me, and that's make it till you make it. Yes. And I think this idea of just making constantly helps us, one, grow the technique and the muscle memory and all that, you know, intangible knowledge that we have in our hands. But it also allows us through our eyes to see evidence of yes of improvement of new ideas of the fact that we do have creative ability so that goes back to that mindset and the confidence that we have i think that's two great pieces of advice i wish i had got that first one a little earlier i find myself yes. probably there were times in my career past where i can see very strongly who i was learning from at the time mm-hmm And I think, you know, you and I have had a conversation about this where your artwork looks like the principles and the kind of style that your key teacher this year is also presenting. And that doesn't always happen, but it can. And I think in our pursuit of trying to find out what we want to do and how we are, you know, as artists and how we want to express ourselves the faster you can make a hundred things, the better you get there. And that's that yeah. shortening of the curve that you were talking yeah. about. I totally believe that. So if, you know, just as a sidebar, if that's a particular thing of interest to you, get into a challenge that's like a 30-day challenge or a 100-day challenge. And I'm just saying 100 days because I know the the 100-day project is on at the moment that I'm, yeah. just, I'm just starting it myself. So are you doing that one this year by chance? No, I I have a little bit of a different philosophy on that. I love that it gets people involved and that it gets people to commit. For me, I personally find it distracting. I am so dedicated and committed to my studio practice that my challenge is to literally show up and make mistakes. And so I give myself just daily assignments and I feel like that's what I do. But I, whatever gets you in the studio, if a challenge helps, absolutely. I would say just be careful not to jump from one challenge to the next for the next two years. Just really get in there and get yourself in tune with who you are. Make it serve you would be yes. my only advice. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Don't let it be a distraction. And it doesn't even matter if you don't go anywhere near the hashtag on Instagram. Yep. Do yep. not make that a thing. If all you need is the self-motivation, I think that's what's worked for me where I've explored 
a particular topic and that's been really valuable and I it, it's and, produced and, a and resource commitment yeah, yeah yeah there was a um when I first started on Instagram ages ago I don't even remember what year it was there was one hashtag called make marks daily yeah and that was when I got involved in in the very beginning so it definitely helped me I just over the years have not been able to squeeze them in but that's, that's all right been a good thing yeah and For, each yeah. each to their own isn't it yes so what about advice to artists who's more established in their art career? What could they think about in terms of money and business that you would advise? I think the more we paint and the more we sell our work, I think there's a bit of, I call it like the curse of the sale. And I think we can get in this habit of repeating ourselves and kind of going, well, that worked. I'll do that again and again and again. And my advice, and this comes from my corporate experience, not even just my experience as an artist, is that you really want to keep going new because the market evolves and it changes just as quickly as you really want to do anyway. So the more you can really keep experimenting and going new and stay ahead of what I would consider a trend curve or a bell curve, the better off it's going to be for your long-term selling. I think it can be really challenging when, you know, there may be marketing partners or galleries that might say, oh, that worked. Let's do that again. So there's a fine line, I think, that you want to pay attention to. And I always look at it as something that I saw corporate do, which is you might have things that you're like, well, that's kind of an evolution, but it's maybe not a big evolution. So it feels a little safer, but then take some risks, do some things mm. that are statements, keep leading the way and show your gallery the new way as well, because the new way can be valuable and sometimes even more valuable than the old way. Yeah. So that's my tip for that. And I think that for me, when I went through art college, which was interesting, was my major area was sculpture. And a couple of lecturers who were really trying to push me into what they saw was the new leading edge. And that was all video installation work mm -hmm. and flatlined. Could not care less about video installation, could not mm -hmm. care less about digital, could not care a toot about that. Mm -hmm. So when we take risks, I think it's important that it's something that you go, oh, yeah, hell but yeah. But you got to care about it. I you know. You have to that care about it. If you don't care about the risk, it doesn't matter because you're not going to keep making it. Even if it sells, you're going to be like, I don't care about it. Yep. It's just, yeah, and definitely. Back to your initial advice, which is make sure it's an internal driver, not what you're seeing from the external world. That I think is really important. But it can be a trap. Like some people can go, oh, and, you know, I'm on a couple of beautiful email lists that send me information about art trends and what's selling and what's happening in the market, you know, internationally about prices that artists are achieving. And, and you know, sometimes you'll hear a thing, oh, there's a resurgence of abstract and I go, oh, goody. And when there's not that, I go, doesn't matter. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> so. There's a million markets in the world. Honestly, there's so many little pockets of art. So don't be confused by what you see as popular or, mm. you know, think that that's the only way because there's a lot of stuff happening out there. Lots let, of opportunity. Let it go. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's also part of the mindset, isn't it? That the confidence that what we're focused on while we're open to receiving feedback from potential clients or previous customers, 
it's got to come from within. It really is an inside out job. So mm-hmm. I know I would love to chat for another. I know we could easily chat yeah. for hours. And I think one of the things that is pivotal for me, and I want to sort of share this as part of our wrap up, there's a, a business coach who I really enjoy, Marie Forleo, who you may or may not know. Mm-hmm. She yeah. runs Marie TV. She's just a dynamic, energetic thing. But one of the aspects of her coaching, which really resonates with me and I want to share with listeners is it's actually really important for us to embrace our artistry and our sharing of our work. And the way that she says it is, today I embrace the fact that modern marketing is empathy in action. I'm willing to release the fear and resistance that's been holding me back. And I refuse to keep stealing from those who need my work most. I will stand in the fullness of my gifts, confident that marketing is the key to serving my customers, making an impact and creating financial freedom for myself and those I love. So that's a really interesting twist, isn't it? I love it. Love Marie. I've been following her for years as well. And I think definitely is stealing. Like when you're literally keeping the gifts and you're not really sharing them and really listening to that calling, it is stealing. It's and it's, it's hard quite to a wrap your head word. around. Yeah. It does. Yeah. <laughs> but if you think about it, honestly, the different things that I've done over the past few years, if I didn't really honor the gift that I have to share with the world and the gift that you have, Michelle, like we really are robbing the people who we can help, whether that's through our art or practice, sharing, teaching, whatever that is, there's people who will benefit from that. And we have to just, you know, work through that self-doubt, you know, so that we can come out and shine and shine a bright light on who we really are is what I like to say. Totally love that. All right. So, uh, shall we have a go at wrapping up some of the key points that we've touched sure. on? <laughs> so you can lead that one. <laughs> I will, you know, here, I, this is my facilitator hat. So what I heard you say was dot, 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 no. So one of the things we talked early on was that the life of an artist and the work of an artist, there's a big chunk of it that is mindset in terms of being successful. Yes, we need to know skills and techniques and mediums and all of that, but we actually need to be confident in our art. We need to have done enough work to build that confidence in ourselves and be open to the fact that you might have brought some thinking from your past that does not serve you and your future. Yes, 100%. The other things that we talked about, which I think are interesting, is you talked from your corporate creative is that inside out is very strong, even for corporates, even though as sort of a solo artist, we might project onto corporates that they're they're following trends or that they're, you know, doing that stuff. Actually, they're not, and they're doing exactly what we need to do. So that's really confident building, I think. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that one last thought on that is that it it isn't always what it looks like it is. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a little more behind the scenes happening in lots of areas. A lot more. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and then there was Michelle Luminato advice for those just starting out is look inside, do the excavation of yourself and what matters to you and try and tone down the volume of what's coming from the outside in. That was one bit. And the other bit was get in there, get in the studio and make mistakes. And I think that that's great advice. And if you're more of an established artist, take risks. That was the sort of take home that I had. So you can see the theme. 
take yeah. risks forever. Yeah, there, there's no stopping and there's no stopping learning about who we are, really. Yeah. Both of those bits of advice for both those places in our art career are actually relevant to all of us. So I would love to now just ask you, you've got ways for people to connect with you, obviously Instagram. So you've got your yeah. own Instagram practice, which is Michelle Luminato. Is that correct? Yes. And the other way they can connect with you is through your membership group, Instagram account. Oh, Tell me what yes. that is. It's origin art and it has two underscore lines at the end of it. Yep. And if you go to Michelle Luminato on Instagram, there's a link to origin art as well. So that's one way to just quickly find it. And you can find where there's opportunities that you're going to have coming up. So tell yes. me, is there something that people can jump onto when this podcast comes out? Yes, I am a huge fan of teaching people how to have constant breakthroughs in their art practice and their art business. And so I am running um, for the second time, the artist breakthrough blueprint, and that's going to be happening the week of March 20th. And it's a great three big lessons. And again, Michelle, you've gone through this. So you kind of have a little sneak peek behind what happens in that, but I'm really excited to open the doors to walk people through that experience again, because I had a breakthrough by helping people have breakthroughs. So it's a really, I can't explain it more than saying it's quite immersive, but it's also very eye-opening in all the different ways that we just talked about today, really. Yes. I thoroughly enjoyed that experience last year. If you're listening and you're on the fence, jump in. It's such fabulous value. Michelle, it's free. It's free as it's well. Like the value you get just in episode number one without having to do all three. But I was away on a camping holiday and I just said to my husband, there's something happening online. I just need to take an hour out several times this week. I'm just going to plug myself in. Wow. And, you know, my big breakthrough, and I've, I had multiple levels, but the one that was probably the, and I've talked about it on other episodes was how I saw myself as an artist, was my identity. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realise this this thing about fitting in and not being too loud and not being too anything, not being too mm -hmm. much. And I'm an mm -hmm. extrovert, so I wave my hands around and I talk a lot. So I'm conscious of that. But I'd actually absorbed this thing of being a middle-of-the-road, quiet kind of artist. It was like, mm -hmm. what? When I saw it, I was like, <laughs> Why? How are you going to get your message out there if you want to be mediocre, middle of the road? Like, bunk them to that. Let's crack this open and let's be nationally yeah. acclaimed, you know. And there's a whole lot of fear that comes up with the whole tall poppy syndrome and all of that is relevant and played itself out inside my skin while I was, you know, looking at this. So that was my one mega breakthrough that's really changed things but I've also had lots of other very useful things and I really appreciate you and what you bring to us in Australia I love that we grabbed you <laughs> as you ran around the world <laughs> that you decided to anchor yourself in Melbourne because having you here is just such a valuable thing for the art community I'm really grateful for you and for what oh. you've shared today in our episode thank you thank you thank you oh thank you and I can tell you when I hear of these breakthroughs, the one that you just mentioned and the others that people have mentioned to me. That's why I do it. Like I'm yeah. just so excited to see more uniqueness come out and more Michelle Walker would be stealing from us if she doesn't have these breakthroughs. 
Marie Forleo actually does what you do and kind of rips off the bandage. She just does. tells it how it is. <laughs> she does. She's so like, like, thank you for doing that. Go down. Yeah, this yeah. is how it so, is, people. <laughs> yeah. So, and I really want to say, I value people like you who's willing to get in there and do the work instead of, you know, putting the blindfold on and going, I don't want to look at this. This could be, you know, a little uncomfortable. And the way I do it, I don't, hopefully it's not too painful. It's fun. We have a good time doing it. Not super fun. At all. It's no, not no. painful, not at all. but it is kind of exposing things for the way it is, but it gives you yeah. a place to go as well. Absolutely. So I think if you're someone who really does want to get in there and do the work and look at things and have fun along the way, that's a great place for you to be and join us on the week of March 20th. We'd love to see you in there and find yeah. out what your breakthroughs are. Absolutely. And this is part of us growing ourselves as artists and art business owners. So I think what you're gifting to us in the community is a fabulous value. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Michelle. Thank My you pleasure. for saying yes. And anyone who hasn't connected with Michelle, please jump on and find her on Instagram in her various handles with Origin Art and also Michelle Luminato. And please have a look at the Artist Breakthrough Blueprint, which she's running. It really is enormous value. So thank you, everyone listening. Thank you for your time, for jumping on and spending time with us today. We've really enjoyed sharing our thoughts with you. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye for now. Bye.